So I'm talking to you today about short films. I wanted to hop on to my podcast here. And um, before we hear from our guest today, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about short films. So the power of short films. Short films have many purposes. You could be an actor looking to write your own content as a vehicle for you to star in because you want to do work or because you have no tape and you need something to show people to showcase your talent, right? That's one use. You are a director and you need a reel and you've never directed anything before. You need to be able to show people what you can do as a director. It's a reason to make a short. You're a writer. You are hoping to get funding for a feature. You're going to write a short based on the content and submit it to festivals and contests that could possibly get you grants or prize money that will help you to film it. Sizzle reels. Created a television show, you've created a feature. You want to start a Kickstarter campaign or Indiegogo or whatever you want to call it, right? <laughs> You're going to crowdfund. You need a proof of concept to include in your Kickstarter campaign. This is another reason to do a short film, right? Many, many great reasons to do short films. For me, the best reason to do a short film, because what the hell else are we doing? <laughs> we got to do something. If you're not working, write a short. If you're not acting, act in a short. You want to Direct, direct a short. Just do it. Grab your cell phone and just do something. Create content. Don't stop creating. Just always, always be creating. There's a million avenues for you to submit the work that you've done. It's always going to be worthwhile. We're always going to be failing forward. As long as you're failing forward, you're learning, you're growing. Until eventually, you're not failing anymore. You're succeeding. So... Those are some of the reasons to even consider making a short. How do you make a great short film? So how, what, what, what is a great short film? Once again, there are many different subcategories in how we can judge this. Um, short film uh, can be a calling card for your particular style. All right. So if you look at my one of my favorite short films is Frankenweenie, right? <laughs> so Tim Burton was commissioned by Disney to write a short. He made Frankenweenie and they fired him. <laughs> and uh, not long after that, launched his career. So Frankenweenie was a cute little story, but because of the way Tim Burton shot it, it was a signature look a signature style that he has perfected throughout the years that made him different. And that's what made Frank and Weenie a great short film. Um, another great example of a short film is a short film that came out, I believe it's two years ago now called Thunder Road, might be three years ago, um, you know, won everything at Sundance um, from that short film the writer director was able to secure funding for the feature. That's the dream of a short film. You make the short film, you submit it into these festivals. Someone sees it, gives you money to make the make a feature, right? But even if 
you don't succeed in that goal, right? A short film is a great way to show your point of view as an artist, your signature style, and what you're after. These are the reasons to make a short film. Now, as in anything having to do with movie making, no matter how good a short film is, you're going to need a great story behind it, right? So story is king. Um, You can shoot the most beautiful short film ever. If it doesn't have a compelling engine that's running it, it's not going to land as powerfully as it would if you did have a story. With that, I want to talk to you about the class that my guest today and I are doing eight weeks to a short film or a one-act play. Karen Cecilia is my guest today. She's a playwright. And for eight weeks, her and I will be teaching alongside each other. She'll be teaching the playwriting portion of the class. I'll be teaching the screenwriting portion of the class. One-act plays, short films, eight weeks, two curriculums in one class. The name of the class is Writing Through the Female Lens because Karen and I would like um, to use ourselves as examples on how to write fully developed characters, especially female characters. Um, You can find a link to this class on my website and uh, we would love to have you join us. Today's guest, I'm welcoming Karen Cecilia, playwright, screenwriter, educator, whose latest work, Ivy Walls, is published by Smith Scripts, and you can see her latest monologue published in the Best Women's Monologues from New Plays 2020. She also hosts and produces, she says, they says, Women's Poetry Brunch on Sundays at the Rogers Garden in Brooklyn. So thank you, Karen, for being here with me today. I'm so excited to have you. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, Talking about writing is like everything that I want to do. So this is great. I'm really excited. Me too. too. (laughs) I could probably talk for hours way beyond people would be interested in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I hope I hope not. I hope I hope we're all going to be real interested. But but you know what I'm interested in? I want you to tell me um, the women's poetry brunch. It's women with an X. That's awesome. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So the. So what I was looking for, um, as is everyone was looking for, when everything shut down last year, uh, actually uh, just a year ago, um, we were starved for live entertainment. And of course, we couldn't do it because of all the protocol. We still can't within certain degrees. Um, so, um, So I thought of ways what I could do. And, the, and um, so I thought, OK, well, poetry, because then we're not um, we're not violating any kind of copyrights and we don't have to buy the rights. Everything was about like low cost accessibility. Make it in the neighborhood. Uh, there's a couple of places. I also want to give a shout out, a shout out to Bayou, who was the first place um, who I also will bring back some events there. Um, so and the Rogers Garden had these big outside spaces. Right. So, you know, we could sit outside six feet apart. Um, with all the protocol and I thought "Hmm, okay now if we get a single contained act um, we can bring some live things so it started last July Um, yeah in you know the first time we didn't have a good turnout which is fine and expected Um, and it was like 95 degrees Um, (laughs) and and then the next time the next so it's once once a month on a Sunday and the next time we were turning people away 
that's how like the the jump went from one extreme to another. So uh, soon as the world word got out, uh, people were there. Um, so what it is, and I think also people were starving for, not just live entertainment, was I felt that it was time to really start highlighting more underrepresented voices. So the women with an X is not only inclusive of cis women who identify as, as women, but it is also um, trans women. It is um, non-binary people, right? Because uh, we want to include them too. Um, it's also fluid, gender fluid people. Um, so it's all those. So it's all those voices. Um, I try and pick poets from not only all that, but from um, age range also, because remember that's part of diversity is we want to hear younger and older um, and from different backgrounds, um, supporting the BIPOC community. Um, yeah, so it has been super successful, super fun. And if you're around, always come out for it. Um, I'm so excited. This is Women's History Month. Um, so we're doing, we're really excited about this one. Oh, super excited. I, you know, it's always so inspiring to hear the artists that I speak to and how they were presented with this problem with the pandemic and everyone came up with their own solution. We're not going to sit here. We're not going to do it. We're not going to not work. So how are we going to work? And that's been the theme in all of my interviews, really everyone's saying, okay, well, what, what are we going to do? And, and that's just the tenacity of artists, right? Where, right. where, Oh, we can't, we can't go to a theater. Well, where are we going? Where are we doing it? Where, what, you know, just tell me because I'm not going to not work. I'm not going to not pursue my art. So how are we doing it now? I think it's such a cool, um, neat thing that, that, that artists are. And I think that that's what artists always were. Um, we always have that skill set at our fingertips. You walk into a theater, you know, if, when you're at the beginning of a show and you're like, Oh my God, how is this going to turn into a show? When you see like pipes and there's like a leak on the floor, <laughs> we know that, that experience and go, home we're gonna put how cost what um so we make it work and the pandemic skill is the same thing we just made it work and we did and we did yeah. um yeah um so so here's a question that i like to ask so when did you know you were a writer okay this is um i'll try and make this this could be like a two-hour story and you go way <laughs> I'll, try, I'll try and make it um God, there's so many cliches in this that I'm going to sound like. Okay, here's the first cliche. I think I always was a writer. Mm -hmm. It sounds so cliche. And when it, ugh, ugh. But um, so I was always a storyteller in some way. I grew up as a dancer mm -hmm. um, in the theater world, um, going to see musicals, going to see Broadway shows, which, by the way, when I was like 10, they were like $10. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine that? Yeah. So a chorus line for like $10. Um, that was like a hundred years ago. No. So, um, so I was always in the theater world. And so I was always storytelling. You're storytelling through dance. You're storytelling through um, seeing, you know, other ways. But I didn't, because I grew up in, in not, a, not a small town. It was, I would say it was suburban. Um, we didn't study women writers as uh, as it's a, a common experience. Um, you know, I studied Shakespeare and Chaucer <laughs> and Henry David. Right. Uh, no, very relatable <laughs> to, uh, 
you're, you know, a 12 year old girl, you know, <laughs> Beowulf right up my alley. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't think that I was a writer. I actually didn't know that that was an option. I just didn't know. And so that's why maybe um, I'm so such a proponent for getting underrepresented voices out, because if you don't know that that's an option, then you don't consider it as an option. It really wasn't until uh, after high school, way after high school, um, that I s- started to write. And, and then I realized that I always kind of did. And then at some point, <laughs> at some point in your life, your parents or whoever you grow up is going to come and ask you to get your childhood shit out of their house. <laughs> right, this is going to be an experience. If you haven't experienced it yet, it's coming. Um, so I had to get my stuff out of um, out of my mother's house and from like my childhood, the dusty boxes. And in there was from my childhood, tons of writings and stories and poems and things. And I thought, oh my God, I was a writer. I was a writer. I just didn't just, again, just didn't think like it was a living. It was what you did. It just, yeah. I love that story. I always say writers are born and it's only a matter of time till we accept it. <laughs> and you're never going to stop being a writer. If, if you're getting um, dialogue and characters and scenes in your head, you're a writer, just accept it. <laughs> yeah. If, if um, I, I mean, I only think in dialogue, like I hear people's conversations on the street and I, I like, like, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Why would they say? Yeah, I'm so <laughs> interested in dialogue. You know, it's funny um, talking about being a female writer, right? Women writers. So same, similar experience, um, you know, in high school. And I, I loved plays. I loved reading always, right? And then, but I was from New York City. I'm, I grew up in Hell's Kitchen, right? So I'm like a little street urchin, right? <laughs> and, you know, like scrapping on the weekend and then, and, and reading, you know, um, you know, uh, the importance of being earnest, right? That's not, that's what writing is, right? Okay. And then when, um, when I started um, to, to study theater, I I actually started as an actress and someone approached me and said, you know, you would be good for John Patrick Shanley stuff. And I was like, oh, and I was like 18. And I was like, oh, John Patrick Shanley, like just graduated high school. I was like, who's that? <laughs> and then all of a sudden I, I, I pick up, you know, um, I pick up 13 by Shanley, you know, and I'm like, we can say this. <laughs> we can talk like this in a play. I can do this, you know. And so that, that you know, reading John Patrick Shanley was, was my first foray into writing can be anything you want it to be. It doesn't, you don't have to be smart, you know. So Yeah, yeah. I think I had, a, um, when you say like, oh, we can say this. Uh, <laughs> I think my first experience with that reading a playwright, of course, was David Mamet. And right. thinking, and thinking, wow, so you can say this on this. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 Ooh, maybe so that's something that, and there was something so intriguing about that. Yeah. You, know, like, you can say things. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It really, it, it, what we're really talking about is how sad it is that like the English departments in schools, like, you know, they're not reaching people because they're teaching all of this antiquated work. That's wonderful. And I'm grateful to know it and you should know it, but we should also be letting little writers out there know, listen, you can write whatever you want because writing saves lives. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think that's, they're, of course, they're the foundation, but, you know, I think programs are really starting to look into, uh, in the future of, like, really expanding what they're, they're now teaching. I think that's starting to change, starting. <laughs> right. Not being generous, but yes. <laughs> so let me ask you. So, um, so you you go to your parents' house. You're looking through all of these old writings and these poetry, the stuff that you wrote when you were so pure, right? When it was just coming, coming just from your soul, right? And the world hadn't destroyed you yet, right? <laughs> what do you what what is, what do you now say to that person that you wish that they would know? Oh wow. Um, well, I would say probably without going into a therapy session here, um, I would say the first thing is don't be so hard on yourself Mm -hmm. is, is the first thing now, um, once you start figuring out like the rules of the world, um, you, you get, I got really hard on myself. So I would, I would say that you're allowed to break some rules and it's okay um, and who you are is okay also. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to adjust yourself to fit into something because I, I think, um, I did that for a long time as a early writer, um, to try and fit in and think, what do they want? What is producible? No mm-hmm. way to, to, to go about it. Um, but maybe you have to get through that phase. I don't know. Like, I don't regret that I went through that phase. Maybe it was part of my process. Mm-hmm. What what was the moment that you realized that you didn't have to follow the rules? Do you remember? Do you remember? Yeah. You made a breakthrough and you were like, wow. I think I think maybe it was one time where I wrote something where I was just like, okay, I just want to write this. And then um, maybe I, I probably had like a, a reading of it in like a class somewhere, um, maybe an undergraduate. And people really responded to it. And I was shocked. Like, because you, because you're thinking this is, this is like vulnerable. I'm breaking all the rules. This is how it shouldn't be. And people had more response to that than anything that I had written previous, which were following that, um, mold, what you're supposed to do and things like that. And, and then all of a sudden I didn't do that. And the response was people were like deeply affected. And I thought, okay, that's the key. Oh, I love that. I love that, right? Isn't that what what we're taught? You know, we we all have our own DNA, and yeah. we have to get that DNA on the page because that's the only thing that we own that nobody else does, right? Yeah, I mean, um, what is the quote uh, from? Uh, oh God, not only am I going to forget the quote, but I'm going to forget the person who says it. Um, he says you have to write with uh, blood. The ink has to be blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and, and you, you can't hold yourself to any other standard, but those things that's, yeah. that's what the ink has to be or else every, you can tell. And you really can. You can tell. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's wonderful. That's, I, I love that. I really love touching on that, that the importance of authenticity and, you know, it's it, as being a, a, a young, a young woman and a young writer, a young artist who, who young, young female artists are, are so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like to believe more vulnerable than the male artists um, just by nature of, of the, the amount that, that we feel, um, you know, it's, it's so difficult to, 
understand that that vulnerability is your strength and will be your strength because you're in so much pain for so long, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a and and really, honestly, being vulnerable is strong. If you can be vulnerable, you actually are strong. It's the other way that we think. Yeah, True. yeah. Um, and it's so cathartic to 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 write, you know, and and get it out there, and then um, have someone relate to it. Yeah. Yeah, we feel less alone. That's what we're doing here. You know, that's why I called it story love, right? So we could get together and love on our story. <laughs> so we know we're not alone because writing is so lonely. Yeah, it's it's lo- it's lonely and it's um, it feels lonelier in, in the last year. Right. I, I never really felt um, that alone with it before. But now this year being so disconnected, it is really uh, made me rethink a lot of things. Uh, I think for everybody, right? When yeah. you, you stripped everything away and now you're sitting with just yourself yeah. and what you're going to do with this time, right? We, 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 we didn't realize how much time we yeah. were spending on things we shouldn't have been spending it on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible now. I think, you know, I really only have to sleep for 10 hours a night. <laughs> <laughs> just a solid 10 um, but then but then you have 14 other hours <laughs> where you get your good 10 hours of sleep in <laughs> the, to um to really do and 14 hours a day is actually a lot so um <laughs> you can do a lot with that I mean I was yeah again we were spending a lot of time commuting and that's right. all gone away and um yeah yeah so let me ask you, um, I, you know, the good, the bad and the crazy, right? So oh. what's, what's the good, what's the, if you could look back, you know, uh, on your time being a writer, you know, what's one of the good moments that sticks out to you? You, you cut out a little bit. Um, no. Oh, what's one of the uh, good moments? yeah, I'll repeat it in case that we cut out on the audio. So you know, the good, the bad, and the crazy. So if you look back on your time as a writer, what what's one of the, the good moments that, that stands out, you know, that, that you hold a place in your heart? Oh, um, I think um, when my, my play Ivy Walls has been produced a couple of times, but the first, the initial production, um, it just, the, the whole experience was when we, when we got into the theater, and the blocking and um, the rehearsals within the in the space where well, we had a rehearsal space, we had that luxury, and then went, got into the either the whole experience was just like magical, um, really like discovering the play, really from being on the page to to stage. I mean, not to be another cliche from page to stage. It really does. There is a transformation of. Uh, from actors sitting around at a table and then when it's actually now with actual props and actual scenery and actual, then they get on in their costumes and you start to see, it's like, wow, this is what I had been working on for so long. And now it's like physically there. It's, it's, it's a, it's such a wonderful moment. And then, and then when the audience sits in your, you know, the playwrights back, like soaked in sweat and, and my, my legs are shaking going, Oh my God, now it's <laughs> other people. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so that was a huge moment. And um, Ellen Bernstein saw my play and she came up to me afterwards and said, good work. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> 
that that's like, well, I can die now then. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. We're good. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, um, so then what would you say, um, what would you say is, you know, I don't like to use the word bad, right. Or the worst, but like, what's the biggest lesson that you had to learn? Oh, there's so there's so many. We can go down a, a, a quick list <laughs> of them. Um, so many lessons in in we'll talk about it in writing. In writing, the big lesson from from where I started to now is about drafts. Um, is that when you finished your first draft? I used to think I wrote a play. <laughs> what you really did is you wrote a first draft. Right. Yeah, it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. It took a long time, a lot of resistance for me to learn that. I was in a class with other writers who refused to believe that. They, they didn't think that also you, you rewrite. And now I realize that almost all of writing is actually rewriting. Very little of it is actually the first draft. Right, right, all right. is actually rewriting. Yeah. <laughs> um, my playwriting professor used to call it, we shouldn't be playwrights. We should be called rewriters. <laughs> <laughs> All we do is rewrite. Um, so that was a huge lesson. And that's a hard one really to grasp onto. But once you start to embrace that, things really start to change for you. Um, this is another lesson that people don't talk about enough. And I, and I did once read an article and I was like, thank you to the person who wrote this as an article about you have to get somewhere in the rest of your life that you can dedicate your time to writing. And that takes a long time. That means like having a day job that you don't have to stress so much about making money and having health insurance. If you're going to, that's always kind of going away or you week, week to week, you don't know. I lived like that for a really long time. And now that I have, I don't have job security because I don't think anybody really does at the end of the day, but when you have some level of, I know where my next few paychecks are coming from, maybe not the rest of your life, then you can relax when you write. And I can't tell you the difference when you don't know when your next bill is being paid, that how that actually affects your writing. It does. You can't, you, you can't completely lean into it. So whatever that means for someone about having a day job, and maybe that is not your maybe you're miserable at your day job, but you can't be miserable at it if it allows you to have some resolve with your writing. And that was a hard lesson for me also. I thought, I thought, you know, as long as I can like, you know, get my bills paid every month, but the work to get those bills paid every month is exhausting. Uh, and it takes a lot of mental energy that you could be putting towards your writing. So that was a, that was that's another thing. So I don't know how to I don't know how to solve that for people. I just can only say that's a thing. I mean, it's such a practical um, piece of advice that you're right. People don't talk about this. Um, <laughs> even you know what I noticed too is um, if, even even in in terms of of sanity, so <laughs> that so that you're not relying so much on having to fill this blank page to get paid, like. <laughs> You know, like that's a, that's an immense amount of pressure to be sitting here looking at a page and saying, "I have to fill this so I can sell it, so I can pay my rent." Is that 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 is so stifling? So what um what I often say is, even if um you have to find 
the thing outside of writing that's going to bring money in. And like you're saying, if it's a day job, then you, what you said, Karen, (laughs) what you said right there, that you have to look at your day job as the thing that is allowing you to write. Yeah. Is the perfect way to put that. I think it's such a valuable piece of advice that not many people really give, but it's 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 powerful. Yeah, I mean, you know, just just know that you don't have to resent your day job, even if it's not your career path. It does yeah. it does do something for you as long as you're writing, right? As long as you're writing, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, but that's the balance always of, of like, you know, you're going to be tired when you come home or, or, you know, you don't, may don't want to get up at six in the morning so that you can write for an hour before, but, um, but you have, the reason you have your job is so that you can write. So you always have to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that is, this is a this is a thorn, I think, in every writer's side is, is we won't call it the bad. And we will learn to 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 deal with it is feedback. Mm. Mm. All right. So feedback can destroy you, can 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 um, make you not want to write. So you have to learn um, whose feedback is valuable. Where do you take it from? Do you have to take it all? No. Do you have to take any of it? No, you don't have to take any of it. Um, so be careful of who you're taking it from. Uh, all, all those things because it it's in the beginning of my writing. I remember also in um, probably was like an undergraduate playwriting class um, where we all went around and then everybody just commented, but there was no feedback protocol. So people would say things that were, wow, that would cringe. I would cringe. Now I think you've just destroyed that person. Um, maybe you didn't mean to, maybe you did. <laughs> That's also right. Sometimes happens, but so understanding feedback is also a, I think a, a key thing with knowing early on, um, how to give it, how to receive it, who to take it from. Um, Yeah. I, I think that's so, um, so important as well. And, and and a lot of these things, what you're talking about really comes along with maturity, right? It's a maturity thing of, of, of gauging how to, how to um, navigate these waters of, of trying, of being a writer in this world of being a writer. You know, one of the uh, most important lessons I learned um, was in regards to feedback. Yeah. Um, and the note was the reason why you have to know what you're writing about is because that's how you'll decipher what notes matter and what notes don't. Exactly. So if you take the note through the lens of, did they understand what I was writing about? If the answer is no, then the, then that probably doesn't matter. And I need to get what I'm writing about more on the page. Then the note is what I'm writing about is not on the page as opposed yes. to my writing is bad. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I think that's that's the key is what you said is you have to first know what you're wanting or or at least have a strong idea. Yes, sure. Yeah, of, of about what you want. So that that's the filter that we then filter all the feedback through. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. And important it's important to know when you're giving a note. It's not about opinion. It's not about like or not like. Does the story work or not? Right? Yeah. Story love. Story is king. Story, story, story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Story, story, story. <laughs> All right, so crazy. What's your crazy? My craziest story. 
um, <laughs> maybe some a, a lot of people will be able to relate to, relate to this. I was workshopping a play. I, I won't say when or where no to names. protect <laughs> the people. No names. Um, so uh, I I almost always write a lot of female characters, not exclusively. There are male characters in my in some of my plays, um, but they're always a female story, a female driven story. And um, so this this particular play was a one act, two female characters. Um, we went through the entire play. It was a reading workshop, um, uh, you know, development area. That's where we were with the play. It wasn't the final draft or anything. I got feedback uh, in front of in front of many people. Um, so it was, you know, it was like kind of those moments of, oh, how do I handle this? Um, from a male telling me that my female characters in my female story as a female writer did not sound authentic and natural. <laughs> <laughs> I can laugh at it now. Right, right, right. right. I was actually really laughing and like, just laugh and, and yeah. But at the time I, I um, was not as seasoned as I am now. Um, and yeah. And I think that's a common experience. And I think people really need to be aware that um, they're, ex if they're not in those shoes that you don't, yeah, that you're not telling someone, you're not, you don't have the ability to tell someone what their story is. Right. 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 I mean, not your, your characters don't sound authentic coming, coming from somebody who's not experiencing what it's like to be in those characters shoes. That's, that's a stretch. That's a stretch of a bit of feedback right there. You know? Yeah. So that's <laughs> oh. some audacity. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, the, the experience that, um, women writers have to face, you know, that, you know, what yeah. they're up against is very different than what a male writer is up against. Yeah. Um, you know, constantly. Uh, what I have found is that whatever room I'm in, yeah. regardless of who has what experience in the room, it is always assumed that I have less than the men. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that even if you do have more, for some reason, their opinion is more valid. That's right. Yeah. So you, that's, it's always like, it's like we're Sisyphus, always like rolling the big boulder up, up the hill. And um, yeah, some days I'm strong and some days I'm just tired of doing that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And, 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 you know, it's always, I always know the different room rooms I'm in when, if I give, you know, a piece of feedback or a note and, and there's two different responses. One response is great, great note. And another response is, wow, that's smart. <laughs> like, oh, oh you're, you're a smart, you're a smart girl. Wow, I didn't expect that. <laughs> it's always like one or the other, you know, like one's this one's a good room and the other is, oh, that's where I'm at already. Yep, yep. And and um and hopefully as the one piece of advice I would say as to to people out there who are maybe starting out is as you get more experience, you, it's really important to surround yourself with people who are on the same page as you, who want the best out of you, who you want the best out of them. It all makes us all better. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, we, we don't always have control over that. That's the reality. Um, but 
when you are in a position to start picking people who you work with or, or asking, then, um, then all I could say is choose wisely. You know what? It's again, such great advice, Karen. It really is. And it's, it's, it's a part of the process of growing as a writer who you decide I'm never going to work with that person again, but these are my people. Mm -hmm. And, and you cultivate, you cultivate your people, you cultivate your group that you say, these are the people I trust. So to be at a place um, to have that group that you can go to is a very valuable thing and what every writer should be aspiring to. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 there's a weird story. I don't even know if it's even, um, it's, it's not like my stellar story, but um, one play was getting, it made it to the, it was a finalist. So it was getting a stage, a huge stage reading, of course, before the pandemic. Um, And I, I couldn't be there. What was it? Oh, because it was in it was in the Illinois area, and I'm not from there, and I couldn't be there for some reason. But they wanted me to give a um, a video blurb, so <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't do it. I I don't know why. London that week, they were like, "Can you just do it for us, like in the next day?" And I was like, "Okay, well, I mean, I was like, if you don't mind it in my hotel room." You froze. So you, you went to, so let's take it back from, it was in Chicago and you couldn't make it. Take it back from there. Okay. So the play was getting staged and, and read in front of an audience and all that um, in, in Chicago and I couldn't be there. But so they wanted a little blurb for me, you know, just filming myself uh, talking about the play and they were going to put it on social media and show it. Blah, blah, blah. So that particular week I was in London in a little hotel room. Um, and they were like, well, can you get it to us in the next day or two? And I was like, okay, if you don't mind that it, my background is going to be in a, a hotel room, that's fine. Um, and then if an ambulance goes by, it doesn't sound like ours because I don't know European ambulance have that. It's a different ambulance. Um, <laughs> but, um, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I did like 13 takes. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't like, I just kept messing up and I was like, I can't do it. So, you know, sometimes theater companies will ask you to do things like that. And I thought, okay, well, I still have to give them something. So I gave them a written out uh, statement, um, which worked for them. <laughs> but so it's, it's not, you know, the most uh, craziest story, but you know, sometimes you just have to make things work. Yeah. I don't know why I just couldn't, I couldn't pull it together. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. It's I didn't like, have all the Zoom experience that I have now. You know, honestly, though, that's what we're gaining from these Zoom calls, right? This little, be ready, go. <laughs> be ready, put your pants on. <laughs> Camera ready. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm so excited because we're going to be teaching this class together. Uh, April 14th, I think it starts, right? Yes, yes. It's going to be so really fun. About this too. Yeah, we're going to be teaching um, eight weeks for either a short play or a short film, and it's writing through the female lens. So, um, you know, I, ha I spoke with someone about this and they said, can men take the class? And I said, men should be the one who's, are, who's taking the class. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Not all, yes. Thank you for saying that. That is um, not only do we want women, but yes, we want men to really be writing through the female lens. Yes. Yes. You know, so that they so can that our characters are, are um, more authentic. 
Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And we can, you know, share what that what that means really. So yeah, so I'm super excited. Um for all of the listeners, I'm gonna put the information for Karen and um and my class in the liner notes. And um yeah, I'm so happy that you came and spoke with me today and I'm oh, super yeah. excited about our class. This went really quick. Oh my god, I could talk another hour. You don't want another hour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is really great. So I, I hope um, we have a we have a nice, great turnout for the class, and we'll have a great time with that. Um, yeah, and you're doing so many exciting things, also. Um, I know. I'm yes, I, I'm doing lots of exciting things. So, um, so um, yeah, this is one of them. I'm super excited about this. Thank you for doing this, and and inviting me on. I'm really flattered. I think so. I, I hope writers um, are, will gain comfort in, in hearing the stories of other writers because, you know, we learn from each other what, we, what we've learned, what, what didn't work, what worked. And I just think that's so much so, so needed right now, the camaraderie of writers in this space where we're all so separated. Yeah, yeah. And, and that we have to remember the word process and that it is all it is all a process and um, yeah, your first draft is just, you're just part of the process. And, you know, if again, um, what I could say to everybody else, what I would say to my earlier self is go easy on yourself. Right. Right. Oh, that's, that's the send off. That's the send off friends. Go easy on yourself. Story lovers. Yes. You know, do, do self care. If you need self care, that's, that's more important than getting a page out. That's right. Thank you so much, Karen. Oh, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. It was, it was. Well, I'll see you soon. When yes. We're in class. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today at Story Love. Please be sure to check out the Writing by Structure website where you'll find links to my Patreon, to my mini courses, and all.